When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. This is Let's Do the Right Thing in association with RadioWorks. Presented and curated by Adam Hopkinson. This is the LDTRT podcast, brought in conjunction with Passion Media and RadioWorks. It was set up to tell the story of leaders in the media industries. Over the last couple of years, however, it's morphed slightly as I've become interested in what has changed for media and marketing professionals to address changes in consumer behaviour, as well as hearing leaders' journeys in the industry. I'm delighted today to be speaking with Varitza Djurjevic. Varitza has a history in running agencies up until mid-2020, when she became the CRO for the biggest youth reach medium of them all, Channel 4. Thank you for taking time out and joining us. How are you? I'm very well, Adam. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. My absolute pleasure. Um, I remember the launch of C4. Um, I think the first ad was Vauxhall in a mid-break of Countdown. Uh, that is just nerdiness of me, um, but there we go. Um, come a long way since then. And obviously, we also recently celebrated our 40th birthday, which came with a special programming season as well. So kind of there's a lot of work going on at the moment in the content space to bring Channel 4, you know, I suppose a refreshed and renewed sense of that purpose that it had way back when in the launch of Countdown. As an eight-year-old, your hobby was watching TV, according to Campaign. Um, My boy will have high hopes on his career now. Um, And thinking about him, how is it that that Channel 4 and indeed TV is doing so well as an ad-funded media? Uh, When budgets are dropping, attention levels are no longer um, what they quite were with long-form content, content shortening. And did the younger end of the market becoming more swipey in their behaviour? What changes are you seeing? Well, of course, we're seeing all of those changes in the viewing behaviour. But, you know, for the broadcasters and, you know, I suppose the, you know, the quality content production sector as a whole, there's still a tremendous amount of opportunity because, you know, in this world where there are so many different sources of information and entertainment, there is something absolutely hardwired, I think, into almost into the human condition that is drawn to storytelling and, you know, whether that be about you know, fictional events or indeed factual events, that means that the draw towards that quality content, I think, is perennial. So the key is really to keep in touch with 
you know, what's going on amongst the you know, younger generations coming through, what's going on in terms of, you know, the evolution of taste or the cultural zeitgeist. And to be able to tap into that with content that is both entertaining, but stimulates or provokes debate or gives information, you know, all of those good sort of, I suppose, quite feeling seem, seemingly old fashioned qualities that uh, broadcast television has always had. And you're in the right place to talk. I mean, I mentioned earlier on that, you know, it's the biggest youth media of, of them all. And again, you're know, looking at my kids, they need to turn to things that they can trust mm. to to understand what's going on. Because the world is crazy. You know, five years, well, six, actually six years ago, if we go back to, to 2016, when I think things started going a little bit nuts, when we came out of Europe and we did the, uh, Donald Trump got voted in in the US. And it feels like there was a chain event of... Um, or a chain reaction of things that, that have led us to a really nutty place right now. How, how, are, you, how, are, you, how are you engaging with kids? Because they need something to trust, right? I don't think they trust YouTube. I don't think they trust TikTok. Are you, are you, has TV still got that position for, for people that it's a trusted medium? Well, I think it certainly has. And the work that we're doing within Channel 4 is very much about trying to find new formats or indeed adapt our existing formats. So if you take something like Channel 4 News... You know, we have a, uh, you know, a sort of a version of that that appears in our social channels. We've also got specific, you know, documentary strands, a kind of dispatches version that goes out on social channels as well, which is covered, you know, covers a, a whole, will cover a whole series of different topics. Um, in addition, we're really looking at where the entertainment formats of the future are going to come from. So the recent launch of Channel 4.0 you know, is something that is a really important marker for us trying to find the new talent that you know will come through both via YouTube but through onto you know our big screen TVs and also to find the formats that will work so there's a lot of experimentation that we're doing as well in terms of what works but even within the main channel if you think about some of our most recent comedy commissions I mean don't hug me I'm scared it's one of our uh, our recent launches on on channel four came through from you know started as a YouTube short you know six or episodes I think it was in 2012 and is now you know, we've brought that through to be kind of, I suppose, a, a you know, a scaled, more available um, piece of content. And it's certainly pretty weird if you haven't watched it. I promise to watch it. Dark sense of humour and a crap sense of humour is what I've got. So if it mixes them, then I'm good. Um, the, the other media that, uh, there is another media that, that has exploded in the last couple of years, which is radio. Mm. So people being a lot of, you know, the, the behaviours that people have had, you know, being more at home and more isolated and moving to media that they trust and the information gathering. Could that be something that, that you differentiate Channel 4 into as well? Well, it's funny you should ask that actually is uh, part of the run up to the 40th birthday. I was reading the, um, the history of Channel 4, the Maggie Ram book, um, the second part of which came out um, a couple of years ago. And there was a, a foray into radio uh, by Channel 4 a little while ago. Now, radio, I think, is you know a really specific medium in terms of what it takes to be brilliant at it. And obviously, some of the media owners that we have in that space are terrifically successful and really innovative, actually, I think, in the way that they've pushed the medium forward over the past decade or so. So it's not an easy space. So for us, you know, the, the question always has to be, where is the storytelling? Where is the content? What's the opportunity? So I'm not sure that radio will necessarily be uh, a step for us. But certainly you have to pay attention to the fact that younger audiences are increasingly engaging with, with audio, whether it be podcasts, obviously, or commercial radio or different formats. So again, it's about how we just understand those trends. But certainly I'm not here to announce an imminent launch of a radio station. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Um, can, can we switch back into, we mentioned COVID a couple of times, um, 
and I think we'll be mentioning COVID for for for, for here and out forever now. But but there was a particular big change for you during during that period. You 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 took a big change from being CEO of PhD into running the Channel Four. How did that go? And how how was it doing it remotely in lockdown? I think I'm always going to look back on it and think that it was. You know, it was absolutely the you know the right decision. It was an amazing opportunity that came my way, and I was you know really delighted to have to have the chance to move to Channel Four and to do something that felt like a, a completely different challenge. Actually, you know, obviously going, you think it's going to be quite a small move from an agency into you know the media owner side and the sales side, and in fact, actually, you know, it's both culturally and you know from a role perspective a really big shift. But doing it with you know inside. During that time period was actually much more challenging than one might have thought. Of course, the thing looking back at COVID and the pandemic that we all sort of forget, I think, is that it had various chapters within it. It now just feels like this very sort of lengthy, blurry piece of time. But when I accepted the role uh, and resigned and it was announced that I was moving, it was early September 2020, at which point... I took that job thinking that we would all be back in the office in January yeah. because that is how it looked that the world might be at that stage. So, you know, you sort of, you know, you operate through one set of expectations and then obviously, you know, things take a slightly different turn. And, you know, in the event, I joined Channel 4 at the end of 2020, November 2020, and spent the first seven months of the role pretty much doing it remotely from my house, managing, leading a very big team. And that was that was really challenging. And I will always look back on that, I think, as one of the most challenging moments in my career, not least because what it demands is a very different sort of leadership style. So, first of all, you have to be more on broadcast than you might be in terms of you know, inter- you know true interaction. That brings its own challenges, both in terms of how one prepares, how one, you know, sort of. You know, frames that, recovers, you know, all of those things. And the resilience required to do that is is quite significant, I would say. And then, of course, you've got no sense of the culture, the small bits of the rules of engagement. So it's a little bit like I used to describe it as coming in to a card game, like mid-game, and you're dealt your hand and you pick up your cards and you have to work out what, what the rules of the game are at the same time as playing your hand. It felt like a really big stretch. I will say that there were certain tricks that I had to do just to actually help me. So one of the things that um, I did that has made people smile when I tell them this is I had to change sides of the dining room table. So when I finished, when I'd worked at PhD, I used to sit on one side of the dining room table when I was working remotely. And then when I joined Channel 4, I realised that the only way to actually convince my brain that I had properly shifted and changed what I was doing was to literally change my perspective. So I sat on the other side of the dining room table so that I had a different view. And every day when I sat down, of course, it would remind me that, you know, it was I needed to have different behaviours, think differently about what the role might be. So uh, small visual tricks were quite important for me. And is it completely different decor? On one it's completely side different decor. So I was looking at different paintings and everything else. But it was just it, otherwise, I just don't know how I would have differentiated it for myself. Actually, I don't think it would have been very helpful to sit in exactly the same, literally exactly the same seat. Wow. And with exactly the same perspective and just with a completely different. Yes. Gosh, that that's. Wow, I like that. Just thinking about 
thinking back to my experience of um, of lockdown. So we built a we bought a an outdoor office in, in in the middle of lockdown, and I can't remember when it was actually during the period, but that made a massive difference to me. Then felt that like I was actually going to work, even though it was only twenty meters down at the end of the garden. It meant getting out of the house, walking out with a cup of coffee, going in, sitting down, and that changed my behaviour. I found that when I was in the house, I was very much more easily distractible, mm. and then find yourself in an office without anybody around, and you can get on with what you're doing. So that was a big change that I made. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You mentioned that you, you you have a different perspective from Channel Four and from from PhD, but I've always thought that it was a masterstroke of media owners bringing in senior leaders from agencies into broadcasters, publishers, media owners, etc., because of the better understanding that you have of what clients want. Mm. Have you felt that that's the case, or I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, you know, I'd spent over twenty years in agencies, really in pursuit of a couple of key questions. First of all, what is it that the client really wants? Yeah. And what is the real question that we're being asked? So that sort of, you know, decoding that client um, behaviour, the advertiser behaviour, and also the way that their organisation operates is a really, obviously, a huge part of agency life, particularly in planning or client management or leadership um, functions. And so being able to translate that at a time like this, I think, is really, really important because... As things become more fragmented from a you know the media landscape, but also as decision making becomes perhaps more short term, perhaps a little bit more reactive, it's really really important to be able to diagnose in that way and to work out okay, well what are the drivers that are going on? Are they specific to particular industries or particular advertiser behaviours or particular responses to the media landscape? So having that sort of that mode of thinking and that kind of way of diagnosing, I think is really important for media owners at this point. And the days of just being able to concentrate on 
looking inward, selling your own sort yeah. of, you know, your own wares, yeah. as it were, I think are, you know, I think it's changed dramatically. I think we have to be much more responsive and aware, maybe not so much responsive, but certainly aware and in tune with what is going on in the broader landscape. And as a, as a media agency, I mean, it's totally different scale to your own, but um, as, as a media agency at the minute, we're being faced with questions where we, ha- we have to stay outside of our comfort zone all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not just about media planning and buying, it's about attribution, it's about understanding you know, behavioural changes of consumers and how it affects not only them, but their competition, etc. So we're, we're asked a much bigger job. Uh, now by clients does that the same thing for you I mean do you are you as a, as a media owner where you would necessarily previously perhaps have been quite myopic in you know this is what we have to sell and this is this might help your need do you have to understand how you fit in with everything else now do you have to how's it how, how is media owner land developing well, I think, you know, I can only really speak on, on behalf of Channel 4, but I imagine that this is true absolutely everywhere, which is absolutely you have to have a better understanding of how you fit in both to um, the plan, you know, the plans that the agency is putting together, but also where the other opportunities are. And the breadth of conversations that we have now, I think, are so much more, uh, I mean, much broader, much more varied than they would ever have been in the past. So, you know, you can go from a conversation where you're talking about, okay, well, how do we do something really creative around the launch of a particular, uh, might be a particular, you know, product for an advertiser, or it might be a particular initiative, you know, that Channel 4 wants to really get behind. You know, so you're thinking about creative solutions and how you bring the really, I guess, the higher order brand objectives to life in a really interesting way. And then the next conversation you'll be having is actually how does our data plumbing work with your data plumbing so that we can do, you know, whether it be an attribution or a brand match or whatever it might be within our within our video on demand product. So, you know, that's and it goes on from there. There are just so many different sorts of conversations. So the need to be, as I say, plugged into the different parts of the media ecosystem, the whole industry, the various parts of the agency, and indeed to understand how the advertisers are structured and what's important to them becomes more important than ever. And I, I guess that that, that that then plays back to the fact that you're bringing agency people into to the media owner. Over the years that I've been in the industry, it's changed massively. And one thing that I'm particularly pleased to see is that agencies are doing what they tell clients to do and marketing themselves. I mean, Omnicom's recent CMO appointment was a delight to see us. To me, it feels like we've been missing a trick by not using the skills we develop for our own companies. Are there any other changes that you're seeing at the top in the leadership of Adland at the minute? I think, again, you know, the the representation, I think, of different skills and experience at senior levels is something that's a, that is a real trend. I think if you look back maybe, you know, 10 years or so or beyond uh, that even, I think the makeup of people in the senior teams and agencies would have been quite similar. They would have come through from either a planning background, a buying background. But now, of course, you see very different influences coming in, whether that's from the world of technology, uh, the world of data, the world of creative, um, you know, and ad agencies as well. So you're seeing, I think, the teams becoming much more blended at senior levels, again, to reflect that increasing, I suppose, complexity of the questions that are coming from the advertisers. But I do think that actually the distinctiveness point that you raise is really, really important. I mean, during my time at PhD and, you know, PhD historically had a very keen eye on differentiation and distinctiveness within the market. And actually, you know, one of the things that I've really observed since coming over to the other side of the fence is how slim the you know how slim the differences are in fact between many of the you know the agency offerings because mm. fundamentally it's all down to how good your people are how good your team is 
the capabilities are often very, very similar. So that sort of sense of marketing or reputation building in a particular area, I think, becomes more important than ever. So I do think it's really interesting that they have brought that role in. But I think increasingly this is an area of how do you know, how do you go into a pitch and appear to be truly distinctive from what else is on offer. And that's going to be largely down to the areas that you choose to emphasise through that sensibility about, you know, brand and reputation yeah. and um, and the experience that you have within the business. So it's, it's absolutely the right time then to have a, a marketeer joining the leadership of agencies to be able to present that case globally. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. And, and it's good to see. I mean, it's always annoyed me that we don't do more of that. But um, you know, if there are roles changing within the industry and the you know the requirements of indeed individual players within the industry are changing and broadening out, what do we do for the eight-year-old Veritzers? How how do we bring more of them into the industry? I think that's one of the hardest challenges that's facing the you know the whole media industry. And you referenced it right at the beginning, Adam. I think that actually the opportunities to access the industry are still, you know, the ways in are still a bit opaque mm. and not very straightforward. You know, and I, and I think about I think about this quite a lot, actually, because I think about, you know, my background and whether or not I would have had, you know, whether I would have ended up where I am if I had started out on my journey today and just thinking about, you know, where some of the routes get blocked. So I think it's really important that we're able to actually offer training experience and sort of you know skills development for younger people right across um you know sort of right across uh, britain you know both in terms of geographic regionality but yeah. also in terms of background and actually that's something that you know we've done a lot of um over the last three or four years at channel four with the four skills program which offers you know really extensive uh training and allows people to come and experience the media industry you know largely actually you know sort of in the production and content side but you know right across the organization and i think that that's something that we need to collectively as an industry be doing more of it's not straightforward it you can't look up and say uh, you know i wonder how that tv show gets made yep. you know how will i find my way to it i think we have to do much more that actually goes out and draws younger people into the business because you know, too much, I think, is still based on, you know, networks or knowledge within, you know, family networks or school networks. And I think we have to find a way of democratising it. I completely understand. And, and there's also probably a job to be done in introducing media buying, media planning and buying as an industry to, to the younger people. Because, you know, if you ask anybody about what advertising means, it would be writing a, a movie, you know, building a script, making a poster. Um, I doubt very much people think about the art of why that ad is in front of them in that programme at that time. It's certainly, you know, I fell into it. Um, I remember I was, I was actually doing PhD at the time. Uh, PhD? Here we go. <laughs> a PhD, not at PhD. Um, and as I was coming to the end of that, I was, I was looking for jobs and um, I saw an ad in the Media Guardian when Media Guardian was a thing. Um, Fox Haynes for Capital Radio and I phoned up and said, this looks interesting. Can I have a chat? And, and that was it. I didn't know that the industry existed. Um, I knew about advertising, I knew about, you know, but I didn't know the media side of it. So you know, given that there's so much money in mm. it um, and so much responsibility and it's fun and it's creative and it's interesting and there are wonderful people, we should probably do a better job of telling younger people about it. I think that's absolutely right. And I think we also, uh, you know, looking back, I think we forget how much it's changed. I mean, of course, it's changed in line with, you know, broader policies around education, you know, that have been, you know, in the country. But when I first joined back in the late 90s, you know, I I was, you know, joined as a graduate trainee um, at MediaVest, as it was in those days in Buckingham Palace Road. 
And in those days, it was really unusual to come into the industry with a degree. It was, you know, into media planning and buying specifically. So, you know, many people, of course, did, you know, had done, um, you know, did have degrees, but it wasn't at all prior to that had never been a prerequisite. So in a way, it's sort of, you know, there were there were things and blockers that perhaps might have been put in place that have become more entrenched as time has gone on. And I think it is time for a fresh look at how you take you know, the excitement, actually, of the industry. You don't take too much of the art and science of it because that's part of the joy, isn't yeah. it? You're not really supposed to think about why the ad appears there. It's just supposed to find you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, actually, if we could take some of the excitement and the intellectual challenge and the curiosity and all of the things that you need to have to be a good media planner and good media buyer, you know, to a younger audience, I think it's really appealing. I mean, fundamentally, to me, the job has always been about why do people... Why do people do what they do and how can you understand what they do in order to tap into that in some way and find a you know, useful, relevant, entertaining way to put a message in front of them? And if you, if, you, if you take it from the sort of almost the psychology point, I think it's a fascinating industry and then we should do more to talk about it, I think, in those terms. I, I completely agree and I, lo- I love the way that you've put that because the way that I describe it is, is slightly different. I think I, I always thought of it as being like a James Bond baddie, um, being able to influence multiple people's behaviours from a single point that nobody knows who you are and what you're doing, yet you create a message, you send something out there and it changes a part of people's lives. I would have loved you know it. What? I've never thought about it like that, but now that you position <laughs> yeah, it in straight, that way, maybe yeah, exactly. I can, see, I can <laughs> see you there with the cat. <laughs> exactly. <By> this stuff. <laughs> well, I think I think there's a you know I think there are certainly a whole range of messages. In fact, I can pl- I can feel a campaign plan coming together in how we might take this out to a younger audience. Indeed, and I, I love actually that you mentioned it today, but you also mentioned in a in a, a campaign report about regional. Uh, representation and it's so important you know my my um my, my agency is based in bristol and you know this is not a plug for my, my but it is a plug for my agency um but you know there, there is so much regional money and there's so much lack of representation that the love that you feel when people do come in and show interest in you and your clients it pays off really quickly mm. so it's such a good thing to do i'm so pleased that you did that well i mean i was very um fortunate when i took over the ceo role at uh, phd you know we we well we'd always had um a team up in manchester but it was at that point that there was a particular um, emphasis and effort to, to try and scale that business. And it was an enormous privilege, actually, to work with the team in Manchester, because what you learned, of course, is that it's not like London. No. And in fact, it definitely shouldn't be like London. And um, they're not so keen if it is like London. So there were lots of wonderful things about actually the specificity of that marketplace. And then actually you learn more about what happens, you know, in the other areas um, across across the nation. And tremendous opportunity. And not least because, you know, there are so many uh, newer businesses, you know, that are launching every day and that are finding success every day that, of course, are out in different pockets of the UK. And just having that ability to think from a slightly different perspective and with a different sensibility about how to go and capitalise on those opportunities is a really important thing. So, you know, certainly having the agency team taught me a lot. And then coming into Channel 4, you know, I'm really absolutely convinced of the opportunity uh, of of um, outside London, you know, agencies and indeed advertisers. I wonder whether you've somehow managed to predict the change in behaviour that happened then over lockdown, that London was no longer the epicentre for everything because you could work from Cornwall, you could work from wherever. You didn't have to be in London to launch a business. 
Perhaps we did. Perhaps we did. I, I, shall, I shall claim it, yeah, Adam. I shall, I shall claim it, claim whether it. or not it's actually claim true. Claim it. I'll, I'll ask you when we, when we shut the podcast down about what's happening next, and then I will claim it. Okay. <laughs> it's a deal. Done. Um, what is the best bit of advice that you've given somebody at the start of their journey? I would say that it is to plan as much by what you don't want to do as by what you do want to do. So in terms of the career path that you might take and the way that you assess opportunities, certainly that's, you know, that's been a guiding principle of how I've done things. It is very easy to um, look at the next opportunity in front of you as perhaps, you know, the next role up or the linear progression that you might take through a particular discipline. But actually being able to step into that, you know, when you observe your boss, think about whether or not that's a job that you actually want to do and what you find interesting. You know, think about what you find interesting in your own role or what you'd like to do more of and navigate by as much by the things that you don't enjoy or don't want to do more of as the things that you do enjoy. That sounds that that's very wise. Um, it sounds it sounds like you you may have spent a bit of time with Nick Horswell. Um, the because the, the thing that he says to me is or, or says to everybody in fact is you know design a life. So that's all of those things. So what do you want to do? What don't you want to do? Where do you want to do? Yeah. And I, I think I'm quite lucky now to have had something that if you'd have looked about it ten years ago, it would have been, it would look exactly like this now. So which I is really, really nice. Really, you know? really nice. But I think also you know I imagine. Well, and I know from from looking at, at what you've done that you end up actually, if you can if you can set out to sort of give yourself some of those, I suppose, um, you know, like almost like guardrails of things that you don't want to do and you know areas that you do want to focus on, you might end up with a slightly more zigzaggy journey. Yeah. Like it won't necessarily look like a straightforward path through, but actually it will be far more fulfilling. And particularly if you've got you know high levels of curiosity and you want to just go and learn about things it it's a really it's, it can be very rewarding to navigate like that absolutely but it's also a nightmare because i say yes to everything you know, <laughs> if, if, it, if it looks interesting or or sounds terrifying or there's a doubt that i can't do it but should be able to yes yes i'll have a go i'll do that i'll do that i'll do that and it make it does make for interesting uh career it's tiring it's definitely tiring um you you, you use the magic word there curiosity have you maintained your curiosity of media over the years I'd like to. Yeah, I think I certainly have. I mean, I have, um, you know, I, I've got an endless levels of curiosity, largely about things that aren't directly in front of me on the list of things that I need to do. That's also been a truth for me throughout my life. So actually just going and finding little nuggets of information and, you know, seeing yeah. what's going on has been uh, has always been part of my makeup. And my friends tell me it makes me quite useful at uh, uh, for pub quizzes. I, I don't know. I don't think, I'm not sure that that's always the case. I'm terrible on sport. I shall just let you know that now. Thank you for coming in. Um, I really enjoyed that. It was lovely, lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much, Adam. It's been so lovely to come in and talk to you. Thank you for listening to Let's Do the Right Thing in association with Radio Works, the UK's largest independent radio advertising agency. Let's Do the Right Thing is a Maple Street creative production, devised and presented by Adam Hopkinson. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. 